Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, really glad you're here today. Let's pray together and then uh, we'll dig into the message. Lord, we, we praise you just as we sang. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All we have is Christ. I know that we also have concerns and worries, uh, maybe feelings of fatigue, maybe even feelings of apathy. People who, uh, yeah, it is a win for them to get out of the house and get here today. God, we pray that you would bless us with your presence and your power this morning, not because we've done anything to deserve it, but because you are a kind and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loving faithfulness. And so we come to you. We don't just come to your word, the scriptures today, but Father, we want to come to you. And we want to come as we are, but we don't want to leave as we were. We want to be changed. We want to see your face, Jesus, this morning. We want to encounter your spirit. We want to grow. We want to learn how to live as your disciples. So, would you please uh, move and bless our time now? And I pray uh, that the kids would even get something out of this, even though I don't have something special for them. We're so glad they're here. Help us to be a church, even without a kids' ministry, a, a church that ministers to kids well. Uh, whether they're ours biologically or not, I pray we would support the parents that you've entrusted those children's to, those children to, and I, I pray that the kids would love being here. They'd have a lot of fun, and they would learn the profound truth that Jesus loves them. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So I mentioned last week that... Uh, what we're going to do today and a week from today, next Sunday, is we're going to look back and look forward. Uh, as we look at what has happened and what we hope to do, I want us to connect to the why. Why do we do what we do as Orchard Community Church? And I wanted to begin <clears throat> with a story. Uh, 45 years ago, a few faithful Christians reached out to a college student on his college campus in California. And about 10 years after this college student named Harold uh, gave his life to Jesus, the Lord called Harold to plant a church. And somewhere in that journey, as, as Harold learned to walk with Jesus, uh, Jesus gave Harold this, this vision as he was praying. Uh, one day he was on the floor praying, and Jesus gave him this vision that he would use Harold to plant churches that planted churches to make disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And so Harold was just blown away by this impression he got from God, and, and he was asking God, so th thank you, now what should I do next? What's the first strategic step in this, in this vision? Which is a very biblical vision, by the way. We'll see that in the scriptures in a moment. Um, and Harold felt like God was, you know, the, his still small voice was saying, vacuum the carpet. <laughs> He was laying on the carpet, and, uh, and Harold's like, no, no, really, what should I do next? What's the first strategic step? 
Yeah, vacuum the carpet. And so Harold got up and vacuumed the carpet. Years later, Harold Bullock invested in a man named Terry Williams, uh, who planted River Community Church. And uh, by God's grace alone, uh, I got to spend time with Terry before I was in seminary and especially while I was in seminary. And Terry invested in me. And so four years ago, we started as a church. Four, four years and basically a week ago is August 21 that we held our first worship service right here. And our story has basically been this, what we've been about. Discipleship to Jesus. Disciples who make disciples. And so here's, here's the biblical foundation for why we do everything that we do. Here, here's, here's what we're aiming towards. Matthew 4.19, this is when Jesus initially called Peter and Andrew. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. They followed Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we've covered this a lot. You've probably heard it if you're around the church circle. Jesus came to all of his disciples and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So to unpack that really quickly, what Jesus is talking about here is making disciples who make disciples, which is also the key to planting churches that plant other churches. Churches don't plant in a healthy way unless disciples are made, disciples who make disciples. So what Jesus is talking about here is he's saying, make disciples, mark them in baptism, mature them so that they can go out and make disciples who mark others in baptism and mature those others who can make other disciples. So this is part of obeying everything that Jesus said. You can't not do this if you want to obey everything that Jesus said. And so finally, kind of the third pillar, the third text that I want us to look at today, and I'm saving the best for last, is Matthew 22. And this, this mission of making disciples it's embedded in relationship, specifically love relationship with God and other people. So when Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? There's 613 that Jesus had to choose from. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Then he gave a bonus answer. The second greatest is like the first. It's love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus, you know, gives a third bonus answer and said, everything in the Old Testament, all the law and the prophets, they hang on these two commands. So putting all of these together, we sum it up this way, knowing and loving God and making God's love known to others. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And even in the most important command that we just read, there's that piece of loving your neighbor. So if, if we say that we are Christians, if we want to follow Jesus, he's going to make us fishers of men. He's going to send us out on mission. 
he's going to give us his power and presence because that's the promise of the Great Commission. All authority is his and he'll be with us always. That's power and that's presence. And then this last one, it's, it's all embedded in our relationship. This is all about loving God. This isn't about doing his errands. <laughs> this isn't about anything other than walking in love relationship, love relationship with our Savior. So you, you can also summarize it this way. I really, I really find this helpful. The church is for discipleship. And discipleship is for the world. And so as we just kind of pause, we, we finished our anthropology series. We're going to start another one in two weeks from today. I just want us to remember, this is our why. We are for discipleship. And, and you might think, that's a funny term. That's a churchy term. But really what discipleship is all about is it's apprenticing. It's, it's putting yourself as a student under someone. So what is discipleship? Specifically, it's a person who's decided that the primary aim of their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. That's their primary aim. Not being the best businessman, not even being the best mother, but to say my primary aim is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. This is not a person who has things under control or who just knows a lot of facts. This is a person who's constantly revising the affairs of their life to carry through on that primary decision to follow Jesus. Like I said, to apprentice under him. And so I just want to ask, you know, we all have different skills, different vocations, different stages of life. Who, who would you be tempted or who, who might you consider, oh, man, if I could learn under this person as an apprentice, if I could study under them, if I could, you know, include them in my life, that would be really great. Whether you're in cross-cultural missions or whether you're in education or as an engineer, do you believe that the very best person that you could learn from as to how to live your life is Jesus? That's what it means to be for discipleship. And when we are moving that direction, when, when that's our commitment, then that is also what we offer to the world. I think this is incredibly impactful because an engineer might not know anything about education or a teacher might not know very much about business or a stay-at-home mom might not know much about the military in connecting with a woman who's in our armed forces. But if, if our commitment is to Jesus and following him and shaping our lives around doing everything that he's taught us, then we have something to offer to the world. More than something, we have the thing. Doesn't mean we have all the answers, but it means that we personally know the answer, the one who matters most, and we sh are continually shaping our lives around that. So what I want to do today is kind of review what we've done the last three months and uh, really focus on, on the why. Like I said, why have we been doing that? If, if our why is to be for discipleship to Jesus and offering that discipleship to the world, then how, how does our last three months, how does our next year um, invite us towards 
that end. So we've been studying uh, anthropology. There it is. What does it mean to be human? Why did we do that? Well, if we are for discipleship, and if that's what we're offering the world, our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of other people, it, it's really important that informs how we do discipleship, how God has made us in his image. It, sin informs our approach, both to ourselves and other people. And our emotions, even if you're not a feeler, our emotions matter. It's part of how God made us. God is an emotive God. And so we have to learn from Jesus, again, this is part of our discipleship, how to understand all of that. That's, they're essential in our effort for making God's love known. So we just scratched the surface in this anthropology series. Uh, a lot more could be covered. We, we could have talked about spiritual formation. We could have talked about vocation. But the gospel is the hope of the world. And so it speaks to all of these different aspects of our lives. So understanding anthropology, who we are, it impacts our community and our mission. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but even though lots of things shut down this year with the pandemic, lots of things had to stop, you, you and I, we never had to stop living in community and living on mission. We never closed. We didn't meet here for some Sundays, but the church never closed. And so when I talk about community, I'm talking about friendships that are formed around discipleship, following Jesus together. And, and I, I say this as an encouragement to you. Uh, community doesn't go on sale. It's always costly. Okay, so if, if you've been out there and, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, I'm really waiting for, you know, for it to be a little bit more low-hanging fruit, um, I've never seen community go on sale in my whole life, but I've only seen the value of it appreciate. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but community, doing life in close relationship with a church community, it always appreciate. It doesn't go on sale, but it's always worth it. I, as I reflected on community a bit in my own life, I realized I've had really two types of friends in my life, and I'm grateful for both of them. But hear me out and just think about this for yourself. I've had friends of convenience where it's like, oh yeah, we shared this stage of life together. We shared this class together. We shared this, this team together. We shared this experience together. And they're still good friends. Like I said, I'm really grateful for them. But I also have friends of calling that we shared in this calling to follow Jesus together. And those are friendships that I mean, even though we're not in the same life stage and we're, we're separated in different ways, I don't feel like I will ever lose those friendships. And what, what Jesus said to Peter, when Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? Jesus said, I tell you the truth at the end, the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his throne, you who have followed me, you'll also sit on 12 thrones, the disciples judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But here's what I want to get at. Everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, 
for the sake of Jesus, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So as we are about discipleship to Jesus, as we're doing this in community together, I just want to encourage you. I know it's scary to open yourself up and be vulnerable, but these types of friendships, gospel friendships, friendships of calling, I'm not, I've never seen them die. So it's about community, and we've talked about mission a lot. And mission is simply the purpose that God has for us and for the world. He's inviting us in on what he's doing. And I'm convinced everybody wants this. Everybody wants community. Everybody wants mission. But a lot of people don't want to pay the price for it. Jesus talked about the cost of discipleship is everything. But he also inferred the cost of non-discipleship is so much more. The cost of non-discipleship is the abundance of life that Christ came to bring. So now I want to move to kind of preview that's, that's what we have been doing. We've been talking about anthropology and how it informs our community and our mission, our discipleship to Jesus together. But now I want to preview this fall. In the next three months, so basically to the end of the year, we're going to study the New Testament uh, letter that we call 1 Peter or 1 Peter. And this letter is a call for the church to be holy in the midst of hostility in the midst of persecution and hardship, to be faithful and not to be fearful. And so I've, I've been helped by this tagline, uh, indomitable hope on our journey home. Kids, I, you, wanna, you wanna learn a new word today? <laughs> indomitable, can you say it? Yeah, good job, that's great. Indomitable means it cannot be beat. It can't be beat. Yeah, indomitable. So an important expression of the indomitable hope of 1 Peter is evangelism, which we've talked about this a lot too. Evangelism is simply good newsing people. It's, it's bringing the good news to people. And evangelism, again, we're talking about discipleship today. Evangelism is nothing more than calling those to discipleship who have not yet submitted as an apprentice to Jesus. So the goal is not converts, the goal is faithfulness. And can I give you the secret? Can I give you the, the secret to evangelism today? You ready? Doing it. Jesus told this parable of the sower and he sowed seeds on all these different types of soil which represented all these different types of responses to the kingdom of God. Just, and, and Jesus taught this himself. If not everyone received Jesus, the Son of God wrapped in flesh, fully God, fully man, if they didn't ex receive him, then what should we expect when we speak on his behalf? Well, Jesus actually tells us, the student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough to be, you know, for students to be like their teachers, servants like their masters. But Jesus was called the prince of demons. So how much more his followers? So in, in case you didn't track with that verse, if you're serious about becoming like Jesus, if you're committed to discipleship, be prepared to get treated like Jesus. 
This is still in line with evangelism and how that's a big theme of 1 Peter. Uh, I find it really helpful for me to think about evangelism in these terms. Uh, does anyone here know the very best on-base percentage ever? Like, or who holds that record? Career-based percentage? On-base percentage? The goal of a baseball player. Do you know it, Hudson? Ted Williams. Good job. Yeah, the goal of a baseball player is really to get on base. You can't score unless you get on base. Even home run, you got to run around and get on every single base. The Ted Williams, the career holder for on-base percentage, over half the time did not get on base. And so it's just a helpful illustration for me when you think about evangelism and sowing seeds, good newsing people, you're not always going to hit a home run. And that's not the goal. The goal is faithfulness. This is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't do it because it makes us feel good. We don't do it because we think we're good at it. We do it because Jesus said to do it and we trust him. We're learning to live our lives as he would. So it, it, if you want practical applications this morning, here's my most, the, the, the most practical I can get. Here's three practical steps to faithful evangelism. And I think you'll find that as a church, by and large, we've been doing this uh, for most of this year, especially the last six months, is pray. We, we have a text that we'll send to anybody uh, who wants it. I can give you it later or you can email the church and I'll give you the how to sign up for it. But if you pray three seconds a day for the lost, that's better than praying once a week for five whole minutes for the lost because you're thinking about the lost every single day. You're praying for the lost every single day. You're, f you're forming habits, habits in your mind, habits in your heart to care about what God cares about with the lost. And then the second step is simply become friends with people. <laughs> Most of you have them in your life already. So now you've been praying for them. You're starting to pursue them. And then step three is simply proclaim the gospel. Don't wait until it's, it's not awkward at all. It's always going to be a little bit awkward. Now, definitely use situational awareness, but proclaim the gospel. There, there is no evangelism without the gospel. But if you're unsure of what the gospel is um, or how to condense it down, and some of us, like myself, tend to ramble, Jesus is so helpful. Check out how Jesus shared the gospel. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's come near. So, you know, if you don't have like a, a way to share the gospel, I'd say maybe try that on for yourself. Share the gospel with yourself out of Jesus' words. And then if you are comfortable with it, you can invite others into the kingdom the same way Jesus did. Again, evangelism is nothing more than calling to discipleship those who have not yet submitted to Jesus as a lifelong, life-wide apprentice. And I think it really should strike us as odd today that we could be Christian or considered Christian without being a disciple. In the Bible, the term Christian was only applied to disciples by the world watching them follow Jesus. 
So we're going to go through 1 Peter because it's a call for the church to be holy in the midst of hostility, to be faithful and not fearful. It's an encouragement for us that even if things in 2020 get a lot harder as the year closes out, our hope, our hope will not be beaten because this world is not our home. And then at the start of 2021, we're going to go through the Bible story by the books. Now, this is something we started uh, in March of 2020. So we got, you know, three weeks in. Uh, and here's why we stopped it is it was too much for me to do while navigating the early days of the pandemic. And as a church, we're only going to do what we can do well and what we can do sustainably. So if I couldn't do it, then we couldn't do it. And I thought, even if I could do it, I'm not sure that we could all do it. So uh, here, here's how this series connects to the why. The why of discipleship to Jesus. Well, the Bible is really important in our discipleship to Jesus. It's also a really difficult book. But this, this series, I hope and I pray that it helps us know and love God. He's the main character in the story. And as we know and love God more and more, as, as we get tools to do that, both together in our, in our small groups and personally in our quiet times, um, knowing and loving God, that's, that's essential. We, we have to be able to see the master at work if we want to follow him. And so this series alone, this Bible story by the books, it, this series alone will not help you grow. We've got to train together in order to grow personally and together. So all of this is done toward making, marking, and maturing disciples, doing so in love relationship to God. You know, it's, it's football season. Uh, hopefully there will be a football season. But in football, every single position matters, right? Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have been able to get off that third and fifth, or was it fourth and 15, that, that pass that, you know, kind of shifted the momentum and kept the Chiefs' season alive. He wouldn't have been able to get off that pass if there weren't the big uglies, the offensive line, blocking for him on that play. If everyone didn't run their route, they could have all keyed in on the, the wide receiver who caught that pass. So to use a football analogy, every position matters and every single one of us, if God's calling you or if you think he might be calling you uh, to Orchard as your church home, every single one of us has a role and it matters. This is a team game. And so we need to train together toward a lifestyle of discipleship. And so I have just one final word of encouragement for us as a church as we finish this part one of two sermons on, uh, on our vision, uh, who we are, why we do what we do, and where we're going. My final word of encouragement is simply let discipleship to Jesus define us, not our size. Of course, we're currently a smaller church, and that affords, like I recognize, it affords some opportunities, like some really unique, good opportunities, and some challenges, Right? But discipleship is not measured by numbers. So by all means, we can all be aware of our size. We can be aware of the opportunities and the challenges. 
of having kids upstairs with us. We, we can be aware of the opportunities and challenges, but don't let that define us. Let discipleship to Jesus define us, not our location. We're in the middle of the Park City suburb of Wichita, Kansas. We're in the middle of this neighborhood, uh, which all of this affords some unique opportunities and some unique challenges. But we have people who've regularly come from South Wichita, from the east side, the west side, Hutchinson, and everywhere in between. And so my encouragement is don't let our location define us as a church, but let discipleship to Jesus define us. Not even our programming. And two examples are our small group ministry. That matters a lot because it's designed, we've designed it for discipleship, but don't let that define us. Let discipleship itself define us. Kids ministry, man, I, I find it way more helpful both to the kids and the parents when we can have the kids learning about the gospel and Jesus' love for them downstairs. But the lack of it won't stop God's pursuit of them. It won't stop our, our pursuit of faithfulness to Jesus. The most important thing is the same, ordering our lives to obey all that Jesus said. Our age is another potential thing that could define us, that we're a young church. Well, for now, I listened to a little bit of Harold Bullock uh, the last couple weeks, and one of the things he said that I really appreciated is he said, we'll all get old. All you have to do is hang around. And what he was saying after that was, it matters what you do during that time. Between now and next month, between now and next year, between now and next decade, what will we do? Will we order our life to obey Jesus? And then our building. This building is a great blessing uh, from God. It, it affords some unique opportunities and some unique challenges. But I'd encourage you not to even let the building define or confine us as a church. It's meant to serve the purpose of the church. And the purpose is discipleship. And the church is for discipleship. Discipleship is for the world. So how can we do that? If that's our purpose, Ben, uh, that's really clear. We are for discipleship. How? What? Give me something practical. Well, this is my favorite picture of how you can be a disciple. It's abide. Is that next picture? There it is. That's, that's my favorite picture. Like a tree planted by streams of water, Psalm chapter 1 says. Or J Jesus said it this way. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, that word remain, same word for abide. If you just stay with me and I with you, you'll bear much fruit. Because without me, apart from me, me you can do nothing. And I find it kind of ironic that to do this life long, life-wide mission of discipleship and love relationship to Jesus, that our, our focus is to stay. Our focus is remain. Remain with Jesus. So we, we started the message with uh, what I consider an extraordinary story of God speaking to Harold Bullock decades ago um, and the ordinary steps forward, vacuum the carpet, and I want to end by uh, giving all of us the opportunity to own our part um, 
in, in God's continued mission, God's continued story. So here, here's, my, here's my parting, parting question is we did a little review and a little preview, but what do you see as the 50 to 500 year preview of Orchard Community Church? Might be audacious, might be over the top of a question, but if we believe in discipleship, it has generational impact. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So, so that's my question to you. What do you see? Orchard being in 50 years, which for most of us, it's near the end of our life or it's beyond the end of our life. And 500, you know, that, that captures all of us. So I can have vision, you know, your group leaders can have vision, but its effect is limited if it's just singular. It's multiplied if we all own it. So the way we're going to end, rather than praying individually, I'd invite you, uh, you don't have to pray out loud, but to get in groups of five to nine and just pray, pray, God, what would you do uh, with our church in 50 years? Would you make us faithful today in the ordinary and trust you for extraordinary uh, results, extraordinary stories of God at work? So uh, if we go to the next slide, there should be, yeah, some prompts. And in about five minutes, the worship team will come up and we can uh, continue worshiping together.